Welcome to this episode of Rooter Recovery Stories. My name is Patrick Custer. I'm so excited to be here with you all today and my special, special guest. I first want to say, if you are tuning in, it isn't by no accident, it's on purpose. You're meant to be here. And I hope that you stick around through this whole entire episode because there's a lot of powerful, powerful stuff we're going to be talking about. And you, my friend, are meant to be here too. Talks Josh, Josh Davis. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. I love what you're doing. I want to... Sometimes I sometimes I do a big intro about describing the person and I really want yours to be your story describing you as we talk. Okay, perfect. And so, I love that, that. Yeah, that's why I didn't do a big lead into it. Um, and so thank you so much for being here. I am so pumped and jazzed to get to dive in with you today. It's going to be fun. Heck are, yes. Are you all ready? Like, <laughs> I don't know if yourself. they are. I am. Yes. But we're, we're, we're about to be a hot mess, y'all. So That's the only way to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if it ain't, I don't want no part of it. That's right. <laughs> Right. So speaking of a hot mess, we're going to start off with two truths and a lie. Okay. I'm here for this. Yes. As I love to say, I'm queer for this. Yeah. Yes. Heck yeah. Okay. Okay. Two truths and a lie. Yes. Okay. Put me on the spot. I love this. All right. I shattered my nose with a rifle. Uh Uh-huh. Let's see. The other one would be I was a DCI color guard guru. And the other one would be. I was in pastoral school. Oh, the pastoral school has got to be the lie. I looked so cute in a collar. I'm d- but I it don't is doubt totally a lie. Like, I was gonna say, I <laughs> don't you doubt you looked great in a collar. Oh lord! Yeah. Oh my god, those were probably terrible. What? No, it was perfect. Okay. Well. Hopefully that was a good first. <laughs> That's amazing. I think you were trying to scare me there, which I just found out uh-huh. is something that we ha- both have in common. Oh, yes. Because you literally just scared the bejesus out of me uh-huh. and several of the people in here. And I was like, okay, I'm usually not scareable, but he got me good. Like, <laughs> Yes. The spirit came over me and I just felt the opportunity and took it. It's so much fun. Like, yeah. I do it all the time, like a, a Kinsey skin. If you don't know her, she's fabulous. But uh, she's an esthetician in my clinic, and I am always just, it's constant social media con- content. I'm just right. like, okay, we're going to scare her. And then like 10 minutes later, I get her again, and it's just as good as the first one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's perfect. Um, we're going to have to pay for a lot of people's therapy bill, but it's fine. To, see, to me, I think this is, it's an alternative, alternative form of therapy. Yeah, we're just scaring the trauma out of them. Absolutely. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Using um, trauma to scare trauma. <laughs> yeah. I've got a number of reels on my Instagram of uh, all of her promises, behavioral health, me scaring some like our CEOs and all yes. kinds of people that that um, that uh, run our various different departments <laughs> and what have you. And uh, it's all in good fun. You know, they hate it um, in the moment, but they really love us. It's right. Fun. Yeah. They would they would not like it if we stopped. They might be commenting on the the comments below here saying otherwise, but we know the truth. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Won't Um, ever stop. No. no. The audience loves it. So we, we can't, we have to keep going. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, You know, there's, there's so much, I love that we are able to connect on humor and positivity and um, so many of the things that make make us smile make us laugh laugh's too short not to my gosh that's right we're also uptight and so Mm -hmm. serious all the time and i'm like we need so much more laughter you hear that aaron (laughs) oh call out of the century (laughs) he was just saying we need more laughter so y'all i scared the bejesus out of my producer um at the beginning right when we were doing mic checks and um it was well worth it who just so happens to be a college friend of mine we were at bandy together and i was like freaked out i was like oh my god i haven't I seen you since graduation you yeah when i coached the dance line there and now if i try to lift my leg i break a hip but i, I used to be able to dance i mean it might not be completely pg rated but y'all were cute though no i don't know about this, this might be i think we might have found our episode title uh for this for this episode questionable choreography <laughs> with josh please let that be it yeah there were some times where they were looking at me they're like you want us to do what and i'm like just do it it's fine you're gonna look cute but it was you know probably not 
the most PG rated. Uh huh. But they were great. The crowd loved it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, so you are, you are a very creative person. Well, thank you. And you, it comes out in all kinds of ways in your life. And we were just talking about how, um, like many of us in the past few years, um, especially Nashville, mm-hmm. um, are over the renting situation. It's time to become a home buyer. Yeah. And you were talking about, uh, how you just recently got a home Oh yes, and you're doing a bunch of reno to oh, it. Yes. And, um, I kind of loved one of the things that you brought up talking about how, um, the walls oh, and yeah. the, right? All the parallels. <laughs> yeah, um, I was talking about like, oh, they were like, buy a house, they said. It'll yeah. be fun, they said. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And this summer, I was telling you that this is all about like, it was supposed to be like taking a break from work and the career and really just focusing on you because I kind of lost myself in all of it. Mm. And then like we all do, I'm like, oh, it's time to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh no, let's buy a house. We're going to work on it instead, you know, because that's more fun to do. Right. <laughs> the, the outside solution to an inside problem. Exactly. And yeah. I said, I was like, I'm trying to look at it now. Like, and it's a lot. I learned how to build a closet. I am here for it. Like I learned to drywall, doing all the things. And I was saying, I was like, you know, what I'm realizing is like, I'm tearing down walls and all that stuff. Well, I'm also tearing down walls into myself. So it's, I'm trying to look at this instead of like a project to do, look at it as something fun to do. And like, how can I relate it over to myself mm-hmm. and the, the work that I need to do? What am I learning with doing the home? How can I renovate my inside too? So it's kind of, that's, that's the way I'm choosing to do. There's times where I'm screaming, yeah. but it's okay. You know, ran a screw through my finger. It's fine. You know, it's great. <laughs> I also feel like that's a, I mean, it's a great comparison to the journey through our walk in mental health oh my as gosh. well. It really is. Right. Like it truly is. And people think like, oh, you, you hop into a therapist or you hop into something and you think it's going to be like instantly solved or instantly fixed. Mm-hmm. And then you leave and you realize, no, you have to do the work. Oh and yeah. It's, and it is stuff like, you know, it, especially I've, I'm, I'm in the process going through kind of like a spiritual awakening as well. And they're like, oh, we think those are going to be fun. It is. It takes you into the trenches. Right. Like mental health and that it takes you through the trenches. But you have to appreciate the darkness because without darkness, there's no light. And so like you've Ooh. got to have that duality with that. So it's Heck like yes. I used to be terrified of the dark. And now I've learned to like embrace that side because when you go within, that's where you can really dive into the shadow self. You dive down deep into who you are mm-hmm. and some and you find the stuff that like needs to come to the light. Oh, and that's the, where things, the, the things that all all <clears throat> our lives, society and maybe our family members or support system, you know, who, I don't know. We'll get into that a little bit more with you. But I think in general, for many of us. Um, yeah, our society is so, uh, centered around mm-hmm. instant gratification. Oh my gosh. Um, thanks to Amazon. Sh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Press a button. It's here. May or may not be able to relate. Um, yep. my husband, I'm so glad he's not here to um, <laughs> speak on that. So, um, yeah. So the instant gratification, but also really, you know, the, you know what you were talking about what what is deep down underneath that yeah. we talk about so much of the peeling back the layers of the onion and um there's so many different metaphors for what we're talking about but yep. there's years and years of oh w- things we use to medi- medicate stifle cover up oh yes and what? add on top of that being a gay man mm-hmm. what you're Oh no! I mean, you're gay. Yeah. I mean, hello. Like, I'm if the kidding. if the shoe fits, honey. No, I was like, <laughs> speaking of shoes, if if Fun. you're call to action here, people. If you're listening, good, thank you. But also, please hop on over to YouTube because you got to see Josh's shoes. Oh my god, uh, shoe that okay. That's my healthy addiction. That's what I'm I'm like, you know what? Well, it really doesn't because when the credit card bill comes, you know, it's a magic card that gets you these pretty shoes and then the credit card bill and you're like, I don't want to pay for it. I just wanted the shoes. <laughs> but it's the this the addiction that I'm like, okay, I'm allowed to have. Like <laughs> Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Like, shoes, I love me some shoes. Duh, yeah. Duh, duh. yeah. Well, you got some mad shoe game. Thank you. We all appreciate duh. that here. <laughs> That's why I'm having to build a closet. It's for so my shoes can have a better life, pretty much. <laughs> Wait, what? How? Where's the mental uh, mental health metaphor we can make uh, a comparison there? I don't know. We'll think. We'll get there until you have a walk in my shoes. Oh, you'll never know. Which is honestly, it's so true. Like it's an oldie, but that's still a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, 
It really is. I don't know if I'll ever walk in shoes as expensive as, as yours, I, but, <laughs> um, but that's all right. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> good gosh. so, oh my gosh, where do we start? You know, I always love to start at the beginning of someone's story. Yeah. Like life, where did it start out with you and what did life look like? Oh yes. Um, and so little kid, Josh, yes. where were we? What did, what did family life look like? Mm-hmm. It's, I've come a long way from where I'm at now to where I come from. And a lot, like looking at, you know, this, it's, it's funny cause I grew up on a farm, like in East Tennessee, like country kid. No. I had to lose my accent a little bit when I went to Vandy cause everybody made fun of me. And I'm yeah. like, look, you're in my state now. This is what we sound like, but I've come a long way with that. But yeah, I grew up on a farm in East Tennessee and what part? Um, Morristown. Well, Bean Station was where I was born. Okay. Uh, Bean Station. So it literally is like you blink and you miss it. Uh huh. And then, you know, and then moved to Rutledge, which is even more country on uh-huh. that. My dad still lives there. And then, you know, moved to Morristown, which is kind of like the city part of it, if we can call it a city, because it okay. was kind of very small city. Yeah. Um, but lived out, you know, on a farm for a little bit and then moved, but it's super country out through there, you know, and did did the thing and, you know, Kept myself busy because I knew there was a certain side of me that I had to hide mm-hmm. being from East Tennessee. So that made it, um, it was kind of like a little um, plot twist, you know, like growing up and, and being a primitive Baptist preacher's kid. Yeah. That added a whole other level to it. So right. it's like plot twist. Hey guys, <laughs> there's a side of me that I'm not going to show you because I'm terrified for my life. You know, you know, God, that was back. I was born in 84. So you know, growing up that time wasn't okay at all. So, you know, and I, I grew up through there, you know, and you think that you have a pretty good life. It was great. You know, I did this, I was straight A's and did all the clubs and all the things and then moved to Nashville in 2003 when I went to Vandy and have been here pretty much ever since. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot to unbox there with, with the childhood stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, the, the, and that was the biggest thing, you know, looking back now, like, you, you see this picture-perfect childhood until you realize, like, why am I this? Why am I that? Why am I so stressed? Why am I acting and behaving the way that I am? And then you get into therapy and you realize, wow, it's a lot of childhood trauma that mm. you did. That some of it gets unlocked that, like, suppressed memory. Some of it is um, stuff that comes that, that you don't realize. They're like, oh, that's why the, the way that I am? Yeah. And the unlocked stuff can be terrifying. But it's been such a it's been such a healing journey to look back on that perfect life that mm-hmm. you think you had when really suppressing who you are for so long and shoving your life full of food and shoving your life full of just stuff. So if I can um, be busy, be the straight A student, be this, be this, be in this club, be in that, nobody's going to notice I'm gay. That's what I grew up in. You yeah. you mean you found your worth in um, performance and achievement? And- um, mm, you know. <laughs> Who would have thought? What a concept. Yeah. 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 So that was basically my childhood in a nutshell, like where I come from. And I'm thankful for it. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back now, I think, again, going back to the darkness, like you can appreciate it for what it's, it was, it was awful whenever it's bringing stuff in your life that's not fun. Mm -hmm. But when you overcome that, you can appreciate the darkness more because it kind of makes you who you are today. Absolutely. And look at the people and like the the people that you're, your story and the people that you're able to help. Oh my gosh. Would that be possible if, and and I think about the same thing for myself and all the other people that come on here, you know, um, we could wish that we had a perfect life, but perfect is boring. Oh God, it's overrated. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Uh, But yet we, and and I'm in an industry where people strive for perfection mm -hmm. and I'm, and I got caught up in that and I'm trying to undo that in the aesthetics industry. I'm like, gosh, I was like, we are chasing this filtered perfection that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it, people don't realize how toxic it can be to your life. You know, I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt, hated it, honey, you know, like, and you think you love it Mm -hmm. until you realize that t-shirt's choking the life out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Overrated. We don't want it. Cancel your subscription. Right. It's boring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you if you're able to share, if you're not, it's okay. I'm an Um, open book. Okay. So when you talk about childhood trauma that you've been Mm -hmm. able to uncover, yeah, is there anything that that you'd like to speak to that kind of um, paints a little bit of color into you know that picture? Of- yeah, I think the the constant 
chasing perfectionism, perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I am the best of the best of the best of the best, nobody's going to notice this part of me that I'm having to shove down and be right. ashamed of. Yeah. And um, so that was a big part of causing a lot of the trauma. Yeah. Like, you know, and then you get into adulthood and you're like, got to have the best career, got to have the nice car, got to have the nice things and all this stuff and not realizing like, wow, I haven't dealt with any of the shame that Mm -hmm. like I had to suppress. Like, I think if you are born gay, by the time you come of age, you have to like have a year's worth of therapy already. Like it should be paid for you. Right. And the Velvet Rage book. Like it just has to happen. Like those two things that we should come into the world with. Wait, hold on. There's a book. I've not heard of this Velvet (gasps) Rage book. Oh my God. I'm about to change your life. So it's called the Velvet Rage book? The Velvet Rage, the author is escaping me right now, but is the single most book, the single-handedly, the, the, the book that changed my whole life as a gay man. Really? It is absolutely incredible. It's talking about the shame that we don't realize that we have, that we grow up with. Uh-huh. If you're in a healthy home and somebody that's accepting and loving, which is very rare in, uh-huh. the, in the community, but when you are having to do things like I did, like, and okay, well, okay, I'm gay. I can't let that come out. I need to be shameful of that I'm going to go to hell. I, God hates me. All these right. things. I have to suppress that side. I have to be ashamed of that. So I'm going to fill it with all these other things. And then you don't deal with said shame growing up. And it leads to behaviors of like hookup culture, um, the the perfect body. And you know, I mean, the the straight, skinny, gay, fat is what I always call it in, in the LGBT community. Oh my it's gosh. Like, straight, skinny, gay. Uh-huh. Like in the straight world, I am skinny. But in the gay world, I'm considered obese. And it's sad that we have to feel that mm. way. And it's because we're in a in a, a toxic culture where nobody's dealing with the shame and working themselves and we're chasing this perfectionism. We, we've got to be this and, and we're filling our lives with stuff that really is just packing on top of the stuff that we need to uncover. Yeah. And The Velvet Rage, that book had, had really was eye-opening for me as a gay man to be like, wow, I, I just got cold chills head to toe. Head to toe. I'm like, oh, your life wasn't perfect. Oh, and, and you're acting this way. And why are you, why do you have the car? Why do you have the career? Why do you have all this? And you're still not happy. Mm-hmm. And it's because you're not dealing with the shame mm. and all that. And that was the big, a, a big eye opener for me. And, and then there's the sexual abuse trauma that happened when I was a kid, you know, that I didn't know. I, I knew I had one incident when I was 13 mm-hmm. and then it was, and this just happened over the past year and a half. And I just had to deal with this probably about six months ago. So this is new of just mm-hmm. like, I woke up and like had this person that was so important in, in my life and into my parents' life. And I had all these beautiful memories of this person. And then one moment I wake up and I'm like, this person molested me. Mm. And where did this come from? And just all these memories unlocking. And it makes you feel crazy a little bit. And in therapy, she's just like, no. And then hypnosis and all that, realizing that these are unlocked memories because I've started to deal with um, unpacking all the stuff and all the layers that, you know, it shatters your whole world of like this person that you thought had your best intentions. But then these memories that you had a screenshot of, it's like all of a sudden the camera, you get to view the after and the before and see what really happened. And it's awful. Mm. But this Josh can handle it versus a few years ago that sure. Josh couldn't. I always I'm thankful say, for that. I, I can't mm. say that I coined this phrase, but it's something that I, uh, I guess have observed. And so I like talk about this a lot cause it's a reality for me, mm-hmm. um, that I believe that, um, whether it's uh, God, higher power, um, the brain just protecting itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we aren't shown certain things in our past until we are f- capable yes. of dealing with them safely absolutely and we have a support system yeah um and maybe that's not always true but i Mm -hmm. think a lot of the time that's true and um the more and more people that i talk to and stories where we're just like you that we're uncovering um you know that's the narrative that plays out and i think that i i'm a firm believer that there's intention there there's a reason there you know and it's safety and love for the um you know the child on the inside that needs to be protected um and so I want to ask you because I know that this is a, I'll just tell you. So I had a family member when I came out of the closet Mm -hmm. that straight up asked me, do you, were you molested? Mm -hmm. Because this is a very common thing for, if you're not from the South, this is for those of us who are, you know, come from conservative Christian families. Mm -hmm. um, It's, it's a pretty common go-to for people who are not accepting of, 
um, homosexuality being uh, something that we are born with. And um, so, of course, something must have happened to, right? To cause this. Yes. And so... <clears throat> Heaven forbid it's <laughs> you're born this way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And so um, did that... I mean, I guess because you didn't even have the realization of it until this past year, you mm-hmm. already owned who you were and you were living in your authenticity. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, like, has that been something that you've shared with your family? Have you had any anybody say yeah was it was oh that explains it that's the there we go that's the reason now we can change i did and the fact that you like as you're talking i'm like i already know what you're 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 thinking and what you're going to say because it is so prevalent Mm -hmm. especially in the south and it's like you know parents either they take on like oh i must have done something i had to deal a lot with like oh well i got divorced from your father if you had your father around then you wouldn't be gay and i'm like pretty sure that's not correct. And, and then had a lot of two of, and, and I even had to address this, you know, like, and this was back in college when I, I told my mom that, you know, like she would be like, you just hang around girls all the time. I wish you had more guy friends. And mm. I was just like, the reason why I don't is because I don't want to hang out with guys because of what happened to me when I was 13 years mm. old. It actually, if anything, it makes you, um, be not even want to be around guys. Like it pushed me away. Like I didn't want that relationship with a man. So if anything, it pushes you further away from it. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, you know, I think she probably thought, you know, regardless of what I said, like she was talking, that's probably what led to it when I was 13. But then I got the chance six months ago to be like, you know, this happened. And um, it's not something that I wanted to say because I actually, this person is still alive right. and I was fearful for what might happen, you know, cause, mm-hmm. and so I just was like, we have to keep this between us, you know, and that level of trust with my mom. And, and, and it was just, I was like, I didn't even want to tell you because I didn't want to armor you with like, Oh, that explains why he's gay. It happened at, like at right. such a young age yeah. that like, Oh yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, and so I had to like preface with that and she, and mind blowingly, she was just like, no, Josh, she goes, I don't think that she goes, I would actually think the opposite would happen. And when I tell you, Patrick, my jaw, I almost had to pick my jaw up off the floor. I was like, all right, mom, are we evolving a little bit? Wow. We've come a long way, but yeah. I was just like, okay, who is this? What have you done with my mom? And it was so powerful. It was very healing to hear my mom say that Yeah, for her to, you know, to get rid of that preconceived notion. I think a lot of the times it is that way, but yep. for me to, to, to almost gave her a chance to be like, no, I don't feel that way. And it was very refreshing. Yeah. Gosh, that's and, a, that's a really Mm, neat moment that you got to have reparative it um, is and i just look at it the whole thing like you were saying like is you know things are kind of unboxed or revealed to you at a certain time mm -hmm. whenever you have the support system and i also with me i know that like you finally get the right people in your life and your support system but the biggest support system is you And I look as like my inner child. I know that glows different for me. Like I'm like my inner child is now telling me these things because my inner child recognizes it. Ooh, I might get a little emotional with that. My inner child recognizes that I have done the work. And this Josh, this 38-year-old Josh, my inner child can look at him and be like, he's safe enough to tell this too. So I'm going to let him have a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I feel a little bit more love. And that's how I've kind of looked at my, whew, I've, I've looked at my little, my, my inner child of that, this person that finally looks to me as like the big brother that has his back. And so he's like leaning on me more and more and, and, and he's happier and yeah. all that stuff. And it's like, but you have to be your strongest support system. I found, you know, you can have your people do it and all this stuff, but that inner child will unlock the world for you if they trust you, mm. you know? So it's, oh. That yes, was deep. I love that. Like, yes, oh, my goodness. Oh, I yeah. love this. You know, it, we go. This goes. We go right where we're supposed to. Yeah, I call them <laughs> downloads from the universe, like yeah. the divine. I'm Heck like, yeah. oh, I'm like, when I get the cold chills, I'm like, all right, there, there it is. That's my truth. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, golly. So, I want to go back to. So we've kind of established the trauma, you know, the childhood trauma Mm -hmm. moving forward into your teen years as you're developing, developing in your um, identity, learning more about yourself and um, 
coping strategies, whether they're healthy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What all played out there? Oh gosh, let's let's go to college real quick. Okay, Vandy. <clears throat> yeah, Vandy. Yeah. yeah, Vandy days. Aaron, don't judge me. Um, but th- like in high school, you know, as you're developing, puberty hits. Middle school and then high school, you start, you know, get your girlfriend. You you fool around with stuff and experience that. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no. I have my girlfriend. I love you if you're listening. But I was, I any that was the best time there. I was like, you got to wait for marriage. I was like, thank you church for giving me that piece purity of armor. Culture. I was like, purity culture. I was like, no, we've got to wait for marriage. Like she was one. Did you have a promise ring? Oh, I, mm, hi. <laughs> yeah. I was like not doing that. And thank God. Cause I, I would have thrown up. I can't do it. I love you females, but I just can't do it. Like I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I was so thankful for that. I was like, we have to wait for marriage. Like, here we go. I was like, uh-huh. I'm like on a Kinsey scale. I'm like gay. I'm right. like real gay. Yeah. Um, For those of you who might not know, the Kinsey scale is uh, <laughs> somebody and his last name is Kinsey, who was a theorist that uh, yep. that basically theorized that every human on earth ranges from completely straight to completely gay and everybody mm-hmm. falls somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah. And, and there's a thin line between gay and straight and it's called vodka. <laughs> in brentwood it's called water like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so on the kinsey scale i'm like way over to the right on that end right but i was i was so thankful for uh for that in that moment but i didn't get to explore like high school boys got to explore like i you know i couldn't risk you know yep. losing my family any of that stuff so in college i had my fun you yep. know you know partook in some very unhealthy behaviors and not and and a lot of that and i think it's in gay culture is uh the hookup culture mm-hmm. is that you're craving touch you just want to explore you know at first it starts off that you just want to explore mm-hmm. and then and then you just realize that like sometimes and you know now looking back on it it was unresolved trauma that you just didn't know about it's causing you to act this way it's you, you just crave touch for and it didn't matter where it come from yeah. as much and you and you're just like and then you're not getting fulfilled you're not any of this stuff and then it's like later in your life you're like what are you doing with your life and it starts to affect you even though it feels good for a minute mm-hmm. you know and just realizing that a lot of those behaviors were doing that and in college would drink um i was very like my father had turned to alcohol and i kind of saw that and so i kind of knew to just watch myself and then i was very thankful that i could catch myself like if i was starting to be like okay why are you doing this you know and to you know watch my behavior with that and luckily i never had to get to a point of you know that interfering with my life so Mm -hmm. i was very thankful for that um but my my the drug of choice was just turned into unhealthy touch and and all this stuff and then you know and then it's okay and then oh it's fine just whatever and i'm like no it's not okay like the amount of hookup culture in our community is very unhealthy mm-hmm. you know and i can look back now on that and be like wow that was dangerous mm-hmm. that you were putting your body at risk like and, and you know and it's like your body to be able to interact should be a privilege you know, it's, Heck yes. you know, it's like, you know, whenever there's sexual energy exchange, it's like you taking a USB drive, sticking it in your computer and you are downloading somebody's energetic DNA. Yep. Every single person you have a sexual encounter with mm-hmm. and God only knows the damage that that does over time. Yeah. So, um, I think that was by not getting to explore and have a healthy way of exploring wants and desires as a teenager, whenever we should have a healthy environment right. to be able to explore that. Yeah then you explore it in college, but it gets a little unhealthy. Yeah. Or a lot of unhealthy and very dangerous. Yeah. So that was what I saw. Um, and it would, you know, with me and how that affected me. And then just it turned into like, I didn't, I valued my career and, and the things and the the attention and the the conference, the aesthetic conferences and all this stuff more than I valued myself because I didn't know how to value myself. And I think that was the biggest detriment that I had with everything from growing up that I've realized that like I put all my value into everything else and other people and didn't know how to value myself. I love that you bring that up because a theme that I think is uh, well it's gosh it's become very apparent for me over the last six years has um been uh finding out who i am so that i can then like and love myself Mm. but if i don't do the work to find out and peel back and understand exactly who i am Mm -hmm. what i like what i really like yeah what i really value what really makes me happy 
Um, what actually upsets me, you know, all those things, not, not, not the things that make other people happy, which makes me think that I'm happy, you know, or the stuff that gives me social reward or all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's taken a lot of work for me to get there. And I know it's taken a lot of work for you to get there too. It's difficult. And I mean, it's not like, it's a never ending process, no. but there's something magical that happens once it's revealed. And you just touched on that, it, getting to know yourself, right? It wasn't the conferences. It wasn't that this, it wasn't that that, but you yeah. had to learn to identify and love yourself. It's so, so true. What started that journey for you? I think for me, <clears throat> so I'm an aesthetic nurse so yeah. i do the talks and the fillers can care all this stuff in the aesthetics and the beauty industry and i was very happy because after you know vanderbilt had you know top of my class belmont for nursing school top of my class you know because again keeping that trend going on right, of course through all that stuff because i got to be you know the best of the best and then i had a pretty really rock bottom moment like with um with my career in nursing about a year and a half after becoming a nurse that really kind of shocked me into survival mode. Mm. And and I was worried there for a little bit. I was just like, wow, what have I done? Like I've done all this stuff. I'm like, what am I gonna do? Like I, my dream job that I, it just, I What was your dream job? I was a trauma nurse okay. at Vandy. Okay. And that, it, and they were not very, um, ethical and, and it, that's a whole other podcast in itself of how they tried to um play russian roulette with my nursing license mm. yes okay and and then getting out of a horrible situation there that was my i was like oh my god i was going to be a trauma nurse and then i'm going to be a crna and i'm going to be this like what do i do like i've made my whole life choice to be able to do this turn down a full ride to ucla's conducting school to go to nursing school because to, to mirror, you know, music and in, in nursing so I could do it together, you know, like have a, have a good life. I'm like, who am I without this? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Right. So, because I'm nothing without my career. Yeah, I'm right. nothing without all these things. Yeah. And, and then when I found aesthetics in 2014, I was like, oh my God, I'm actually really good at this. I found a way to bridge the, the art and the science together, like mm. my music background with the science of nursing into aesthetic medicine and i fell head over heels for it and and i dove straight in and it it's taken off i am very thankful for these last almost 10 years with this yeah and but i didn't realize again how caught up i was getting in the industry and yeah. how it was making a lot of things worse um you know as a gay man i body dysmorphic disorder yeah huge and rampant when do you think that first showed up for you? Uh, oh, definitely like middle school, high school. Okay. You know, like yeah. the Abercrombie culture. No. Oh. Have you seen that documentary? Oh, my God. I am the prime definition of an outcome of that. Mm. Like straight up. My walls were decked with that. Yeah. I was like, ooh, and I was striving for that. And I couldn't get it because that wasn't my body type. So I would eat and get more depressed. I was just like, eat and eat and eat. And I'm like, okay, whatever but didn't realize that like I'm eating for a, a deeper reason. I'm like, you know, covering up things. And then I think in middle school, when the, yeah. I first started being called gay, I started eating and gaining weight. So I'm like, oh, maybe they'll notice that. They won't notice the gay. Like trying to just shove everything with food and armor yeah. myself protection. Wow. So I think that started a long time ago, definitely for sure. And it got a lot worse when I got into the aesthetics industry. Oh, sure. Because it's in a it's a toxic culture in this industry. Like mm. I'm, I'm ranked one of the top injectors in the country and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Worked my tail off, did a lot of lips for that. I was very yeah. honored, you know, with this. And, and it's, it's one that like, we are in an industry of perfectionism. Like mm. people come to me chasing that filtered look. Mm. And I used to just be like, yes, queen, we got this. Boom, 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 boom. Because when we say yes, we make money. Mm. Right. When we say no, we don't. And, but I was just getting caught up in it because I was getting caught up in myself. You know, mm -hmm. I had eye bags. I had not good skin, didn't care. Years of marching band, all this stuff, didn't take, wear sunscreen, took care of myself. So now I'm like, oh, I'm more accepted if I put fillers in my face, mm -hmm. if my wrinkles relax, if I've got good skin care and I look like that chiseled filter. And I was eating that alive, which fed the, I call it BDD Daryl. Like I name all my anxious Annie, depressive Deborah. 
I name them all because then I can control them. Like it, it, we can talk about that. Yeah. But so BDD Daryl. Wait, is, but can we? Just I, yeah, for we, a second. we can unbox that. Uh huh. No, I, I just, I, <laughs> this is so irreverent, but I feel like those characters could come out in some, some of your like online skit. Oh. Right. I think we need to throw a wig on. Girl, Anxious Annie. Uh huh. Oh, yes. Honey, she's got a bob cut and she's like, Josh. She's like the the worried mom, right? The helicopter parent, yeah. And I have to put her in her place, okay. How but I couldn't p- do that. So it was. This is something I learned years ago in therapy. She was like, name them, and I'm like, what? She was like, name them, and see what happens. And I did, and I was like, suddenly when I named them, it was and and like I kind of laughed with them. When I gave it a name, it was like I got control back over them. So like when anxious Annie rears her head now, I'm like, hey, Annie, girl, I know what you're trying to do. You are trying to protect me right now, but I am safe. I'm calm. I'm cool. I'm collective. I see what we're doing. Thank you for trying to protect me, but you can go back there. And she's like, okay. So me talking to them, yeah. I know I probably sound crazy, but like, I'm like depressive. Deborah, I'm like, girl, what does honey, Deborah look like? De- she lays in bed, honey. She eats 12 packs of Oreos. Uh-huh. She don't care. She doesn't shower. She gets real, no energy. What color is her hair? How long is it? Oh, Texture? Honey, it's like, it, like she's, it's like the blonde roots that like are like six inches past like where they should be. Uh-huh. She hasn't taken care of herself. Yeah. Oh, but gosh. so I have to talk to her and I'd be like, listen, girl, we've got this, you know? And IBS Irene, that was another one. Now oh. she's funny. Mm-hmm. We named her. And all of a sudden it's like, instead of something that I had to be shameful about, yeah. especially as a gay man, like I'm like, oh, Irene won't like that. I laugh at it. And suddenly it drops by 50%. I'm going to have to share IBS Irene with a couple of my friends who <laughs> are related to Irene. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Irene, Eileen, like she got all kinds of cousins up through uh-huh. there. But what is she wait? Were, what so what is I, what does IBS Irene look like? Oh, honey, she don't care. She she's the one that goes to Walmart and like a cut off tank top. Uh-huh. She got Daisy Dukes on that her like butt crack is eating half of it. <laughs> she don't care. She got one flip flop that doesn't match the other. Her hair's however she got up, and she just she, and she don't care. She's like, oh, you're going on a road trip, hey, and she comes at the like most inconvenient times, and she, she's a not nice person. But really, she, oh, she's nasty. She's a nasty girl. So we've had to put her in her place. We've had to t- tone her down a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Got to tone. If you're struggling with any of these things, name them. Yeah. And I've, I've helped some of my friends with that too. Like like one of my uh, friends, she's, she's, she's 21 years old and really struggles with panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And she's called me and we've had to go. I've, I went out to the store and like in the middle of the store, calm her down. I'm like, all right. All right, what is it? I can't remember what we called hers, but it was like anxious Andrew or anxious, whatever it is. Mm. And we just talked to her and like within five minutes, she's calming down. So there's some magic with that. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Maybe I can get 10% of the profits on whoever coined that. And if not, then I'm going to coin it. We're going to name our disorders so we can conquer them. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Wait, so the one I didn't ask you about. So BDD Daryl, what does yeah. Daryl look like? Describe Daryl for me. Daryl is that Abercrombie model. Oh, okay. That, that was hanging on my wall. Yeah. And he's the one that's just like, if you don't look like this, you're not worthy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, your talks were off. You're worthless. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, your cheeks are a little deflated. Those eye bags, <laughs> as a gay man, you're worthless. And I like, think I just got a waft of Abercrombie Fierce as you oh, said. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it reeks in our pores. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's been the hardest one to overcome. Yeah. Of and I have, still haven't. I still struggle with it, but yeah. the journey this past six months, well, since last year, yep. like really hit ahead, like, you know, the aesthetics industry doing mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I had a really, really bad filler complication that almost killed me last summer. And like it, you yourself? Yes. Oh. And when I tell you it lit the whole aesthetics world, I had people from all the all over the world being like, oh my gosh, I was in the hospital. It triggered almost ARDS and sepsis. Cuber. What is ARDS? Acute respiratory distress syndrome. And I used to take care of patients like that. I'm like, they go on a rotoprone and a lot of times they don't come out of that. And I'm sitting here in the hospital being like, oh my God, I'm about to die. Like I felt, I was like, I'm about to be intubated. My lungs, I I couldn't hardly breathe. The filler was causing a reaction that caused my body to attack itself. Now, don't get scared about filler. Like it's just certain types of filler that the aesthetics industry knows has an issue, but yet they're ignoring. it, it's a it's a problem. So I got all of that filler. I had 25 syringes of filler in my face to look like how I thought I should look. And so I finally was, I survived, thank God. And I was able to come out of that. I had all the filler dissolved. And there was something so 
beautiful about ha- the dissolving process. Not only did I dissolve all that nastiness out of my face, but I dissolved the aesthetics industry out of me too. Mm. Something happened last summer that was a real big turning point for me, realizing how much of the aesthetics industry I had taken on myself. And I preach, a, I'd be unapologetically you, but here I am being like, who are you? Who People know talks Josh. Who's right. Josh? I didn't know who Josh was. And, and I realized that BDD had really got a hold of me. It was the biggest monster in my life. And... And I'm looking back on it now, I'm thankful that what happened with my face happened because I'm in such a different place than I, you know, now. And, you know, I have a voice in the aesthetics industry. Mm -hmm. What was I using it for? You know, like being this person that like, you know, just being a bitchy gay on on TV, you know, on on Instagram for what likes and hearts. You've got a platform. Mm -hmm. What are you going to use it for? And now I'm seeing like, oh, because it's a problem. You know, we make money off of people's mental health disorders Mm -hmm. in this industry. We make money. BDD is making aesthetic providers rich as can be. And it's unethical. And it made mine worse. And I, I can speak to it. And I've got this voice where I'm like, well, instead of getting out of the industry like I wanted to, no. Because I love it. Right. But we're going to change it. Sure. And so being able to dissolve that out and really, like does, the filler was kind of the wall hiding Daryl, mm-hmm. BDD Daryl, mm-hmm. and it made me like face it. And I gained 45 pounds. That would have probably, honestly, not even joking, that would have probably two years ago made me commit suicide. Wow. There wasn't a day that would go by that I didn't look in the mirror and like spew hate at myself mm. or step on the scale or like hit my stomach and be like, you like, sorry, I get really emotional about this stuff. No, that's it's okay. like, you know, just the things that I would say to myself, like I would never say to a human being, Yeah, but here I am saying it to myself. Mm-hmm. And then what have I been doing with patients when they come in and they're like tearing themselves apart and I'm like, okay, we can fix that. And then over the past like year and a half, I really stopped doing that. I learned mm-hmm. to love the sound of no. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. We do a lot of things differently, like in our clinic, Reiki energy, you know, to, to it doesn't matter the amount of tox or filler as long, if the insides aren't right. You know, it doesn't matter on the outside. Amen. And so that's been my past year and a half journey, really dealing with BDD and trying to bring awareness to it in mm-hmm. the industry because it is so prevalent, not only in our industry, but amongst the LGBTQA plus community and and it's and it's doing so much more damage and we don't realize that they have it and we're just not addressing it well you know you mentioned how it's prevalent in the lgbtq plus community especially in and i we can speak to this i mean i can personally speak to it because i've dealt with it i deal with it myself um i know that it's very strong amongst um cis gay men Mm -hmm. um I can't, I'm sure that that other um, people that, ha- that identify differently uh, deal with it as well. But just on our end, of the, you know, our experiences, mm-hmm. I know that that is something that that's that's really strong. Um, cis male, cis males in general, um, body dysmorphic disorder and eating disordered eating mm-hmm. is so under reported and under analyzed under um talked about all the things Mm -hmm. um and i think because of the 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 way that we go to extremes as gay men a lot of the times tends to be so much more acute Mm -hmm. than um a lot of straight men and i know that i'm generalizing and stereotyping um but uh you know you you talked about that that hmm the severe skinniness, right? Like the gay versus straight. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the parallels that I would say is this, you know how you talked about, I can really relate to what you're talking about. The whole, like I look at the Abercrombie guy and realize Mm -hmm. that's too much work because to be Mr. Abercrombie, Daryl, you've got to eat the amount of calories and do it the right kind, the right way. And yes, you've got to be at the gym probably twice a day doing, um, uh, both, you know, weightlifting and cardio, um, or you can go to the other side of things and just be super skinny. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's a lot, it feels that's a lot bad. more easy and attainable yeah. to go to that end because then, it's very complex. The whole, is. the whole idea of 
gaining muscle, but also having 3% body fat, like how, how the heck I'm like, do you get there? Makes no sense. And we don't even address that. You know, I got down to like 130 pounds as a six one male. That's not Mm. healthy. We don't realize the the detriment that we're doing to ourselves. And you know, as gay men, like by, okay, well, I'm not going to eat. If I can't be muscular and do that, then I'm just going to get super skinny. Right. We are causing so many health issues with that, like Mm -hmm. losing muscle mass. Then it's even harder to put on muscle because you got so skinny. And then it's just, and then you get skinny fat, like with, you know, whenever you try to do anything, you gain the fat and not the muscle. And so it's just like, and then what does that make you do? Look in the mirror, hate yourself more, let's eat. Mm -hmm. Because it feels better to eat than it does to. You go straight back into that shame shame cycle. Oh, it's awful. And not to mention that, you know, we speak from a gay man's perspective, perspective, but like celebrity culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to your episode that Savannah Chrisley said, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, she's the cure for homosexuality is what I always say. I'm like, you are gorgeous, honey. Right. You know, but to hear like, like the pressure of like, you either like if they gain weight, oh, that she's let herself go. If she gets to, oh, she's not eating like, oh, they're aging. Like Sarah Jessica Parker right now is being torn oh apart, my gosh. but yet men yep. aren't, you know, it's like, and there's, it's this unrealistic and it's not even a standard of beauty anymore because we don't even know what it is. Like we complain when it's too much, we complain when it's too little. Right. And the females, especially in celebrity culture, are like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine the pressure that they put on themselves as well. It's oh, yeah. absolutely mind blowing. It but is. Something has to stop. Like when are we gonna change it? Right. We're at this crossroads where there's a huge movement of body positivity, but yet mm-hmm. there's still, oh gosh, it's so odd because, you know, um, you know, I'll be honest, I can be like, I, I support all day long. I support body positivity right and left. Mm-hmm. Like, I love you, the size you are, the way you are. I think you're beautiful, all those things. But my own insecurities, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it would be really hard for me to live in a body that was different mm-hmm. than where I'm at right now. Yeah. Like that scares me. I'm getting super vulnerable right now, but yeah. like those are some legit fears that I have. And, um, and so I think that the reason why I want to say that is because I think there are a lot of people out there that live in, um, I mean, I know that I, I, I feel like I live in a, um, Generally, uh, I, I'm a thinner build um, currently. I've been across the board. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been pretty overweight at times. I've, been, I've yo-yoed like crazy again. And we both, you know, we can re- relate on that. And, um, but I think that where people can relate to this is it's one thing to be in what many people would say is an ideal body, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. already thin and whatever, and say, I support body positivity, you know, which I do, but also if I support it, like it's such a a mind F Uh because if we're, if we truly support it, are we saying we support it completely or we support it for just other people? Would I love myself if I, Mm. if my body changed because it had to change for some type of reason, if I lost control. And I think that's somewhere that so many of us are. Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of the magazines still look the same way they, they, they do. That's why so many of the people, um, I mean, no offense, but a lot of the, you know, the social media content creators that are just Mr. Abercrombie, Mrs. Uh Abercrombie, you know, all those things. And they have absolutely zero substance to their pages, but they, I mean, like mass follows Mm -hmm. mass engagement, you know, all these things. And you know, it is what it is, but at the same time, we've got a lot of solution, a lot of question, solution to get to, questions yes. to answer. And when I say questions, I mean questions we've got to ask ourselves. Yes. And that's why I went to that vulnerable place of myself stating what I just did right there, because 
I think that if you're in a body that you would not otherwise define as one that's body positive, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can't ask yourself and really get honest about that, you know, that, you know, like what drives you, what drives you to go to the gym? What drives you to mm -hmm. eat the way you do? Is it yes. fear? Uh -huh. Is it because you're so scared and you don't want to, you know, or is it because, is it from a place of, and this is what I'm asking myself right now mm -hmm. in this moment, or is it because I'm trying to follow healthy guidelines that I want to, um, take care of my body and the end result will be, you know, hopefully that I continue to be in a healthy body and I want to take care of this mechanism that's going to carry me yes. through life. Yep. Um, but I think more often than not, the answer truly mm -hmm. being honest here for me is that I make a lot of those choices out of fear. Yeah. And I think the vulnerability of just like you did and setting that example to be vulnerable is what's going to change. Like when one person person's vulnerable, it gives permission to, for another person and then another person, it's a ripple effect. And when we can sit and ask ourselves these it's sucky to ask yourself these questions. It's hard. It's scary. Mm -hmm. And fear, I think, is the biggest driving factor. But when we can, we can get real and honest with ourselves, and that's where the change happens. It's and it's and understanding that it's okay. Like if we had one car, if we were given one car our whole life, mm -hmm. it's okay. I'm going to take it in for a paint job. I'm going to take it in for tune-ups and all that stuff. Yeah, like that because you want to take care of it. Yeah, and just like with our bodies and all that stuff, it's okay to you know go to the gym and want to eat healthy and to get tox and fillers and all these things as long as it's for the right reason mm -hmm. as long as the inside's right mm -hmm. and as long as we're not just covering up all a bunch of mess that we need to address and i think you know especially with bdd it's probably always going to be a, a a hard conversation and a conversation we're going to have for our entire life because i don't think it ever yes. fully goes away i don't think so either this is a perfect segue not segue but let's lead into um because we have realized that for those who might be listening and not know um how would you describe body dysmorphic disorder okay bdd um and uh yeah like i mean we've already been talking about how it manifests but yes so body dysmorphic disorder is it's kind of like a distorted um self-image of yourself like when you're looking into the mirror you know like i i see one thing like you know, like what other people see is one thing, but what I see, I may see somebody in the mirror that weighs 250, 300 pounds, mm -hmm. even though I only weigh one, now 170, you know, um, it's having that distorted image of yourself when you, in, in, in your own perception, that isn't actual reality. Mm. So um, a lot of people that, you know, it leads to uh, bulimia and anorexia because that BDD is the kind of the root cause. You have this distorted image of yourself that isn't accurate mm. and rooted in reality. And when you look in the mirror, it makes you, it makes you see that even though it's not realistic, which feeds all the other stuff, which makes it worse. And then you look back in the mirror again and it's just this perpetual cycle. So I think it starts a lot of the other other major eating disorders yeah um and can lead to anxiety depression a lot of this stuff oh yeah and so it's just a it's a it's a perception of yourself that isn't actual accurate mm -hmm. of how you see yourself yeah. yeah yeah and it's really prevalent i mean the, the numbers i don't the numbers not even accurate because it's so under oh yeah and under talked about oh yeah yeah how you know when we i think sometimes general public uh let me step back for a second. Because I work in the behavioral health field, mm -hmm. I have been privy to the backside of um, what research and studies um, for numbers and statistics uh, look like, what it takes, whether we're talking about addiction, yeah. um, you know, all these different things. You've got to have, like, in order to do a research study that can be quoted and actually have true statistics on, mm -hmm. um, you know, a dependable number, so much work has to go into this. But you've also got to have a population of people that aren't controlled by um, fear, shame, and stigma. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not possible to get mm -hmm. a population of people that aren't no. driven by that especially no. that struggle with these things so how can we have real genuine answers of the um percentage of population that yes. struggle especially with people a lot of people with bdd are in denial 
I think they should oh. add another D on there. Hail to the yes. I was, I was like, no, like I'm just, I'm fat. Like you, I'm not skinny. Like, ugh. so no, I, and I don't have BDD. No, I just, I need to lose weight. It's strong. Mm-hmm. And that keeps a, it keeps a hold of people with the disorder. Um, and, and again, I think the answer is people being vulnerable to talk about it. And the more celebrities, the more people with a platform, thank you for doing that. Oh my gosh. I love, like, makes me so happy. Yeah. And love what you're doing with this. That's why it's so powerful is giving a people a safe place to be vulnerable. Like, talking to celebrities and giving, being like, letting them express, you know, that I I was doing, I talked with Gwyneth Paltrow with MERS Aesthetics, and I asked her that. I said, girl, I said, welcome to your gay best friend in Nashville. You didn't know you had. And I was like, I can't imagine the the pressures that you um, go through being a celebrity and mm-hmm. to look a certain way. We know we're getting these procedures. Like we, J-Lo, we know that's not your skincare line doing that face. <laughs> that, like, you know what, Jennifer Anderson, we know that's not a vino lotion. Right. Like. And, and, and heaven forbid we address the Kardashians, you uh, know, they have such a big platform yep. and they influence so much of this, of these unrealistic expectations. When these people start being vulnerable and saying, you know, this is what I look like and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't need any of this stuff. Yeah, It's okay to want to, but like, you don't need any of it. You're okay how you are. And just being real with people, like, so we don't pressure the young girls and people on social media of these unrealistic expectations when they're vulnerable to talk about like, hey, I'm human too. I suffer from this. I do this. Yeah, I might gain a little weight, blah, blah, blah. We all use a filter. We love it. But like, instead of showing the highlight reel on social media, let's be real and vulnerable with people oh, yeah. and give them a safe space to be able to talk about it. And let's normalize it first. Then that sets the stage for people to truly heal from this and and not feel ashamed. And if you have people like the Kardashians and these these people being like, when I look in the mirror, I might have a flaw here and flaw here, but you know what? That's okay and I love myself. Could you imagine the impact that a statement like that from one of them people mm. that's so influential could have on the mental health of the youth and young girls and people? Endless. That is what we need to bring. And it it's really addressing the toxic culture that doesn't allow the people, the safe platform or the, that feel that they can because the pressures probably from men in the industry make them, no, we can't talk about that. Right. That's where with this disorder, I think we're really gonna start the healing process is when you have these big influential people yep. realizing this is detrimental and opening up about it and talking about it. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't agree more. You know, um, I think that's the perfect lead in to the healing piece of your journey. So mm-hmm. what has that been? Like, so obviously it sounds like your near death experience was yes. what propelled you and started it. It was. What has, what has your work looked like your inner work, um, since yeah. then? Um, it really kind of about, and right before that happened last summer, like the previous kind of fall, I kind of started kind of like this, you know, the spiritual awakenings people call it or mm-hmm. a journey or, you know, whatever this is. Um, just realizing that a lot of things that I found, you know, like back in the day, teas and essential oils and then crystals and, um, and Reiki, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, why? Like I would go into Roma G's over in Donaldson and I'm like, you know, because of my, preconceived and I was like this is of the devil you know way back in the day like would just be like oh I can't do that but god those tarot cards look so cute you know like <laughs> I want that but no I can't like that because that's what they told me I can't do right um and just realizing the things that inter- you know that become of an interest became a reality for my life and um Reiki and energy healing was a big thing for me I'm yeah. a big energy person yeah. um and that happened the the fall right before that happened with my face and and you know therapy was huge getting in and just talking and having somebody call me out on my own stuff Mm. and and you know finding a safe place to be able to talk about these things with somebody that doesn't know who i am that can truly help that really over the past seven years i've been in therapy for seven years and it was wonderful i love to ask people this question yeah what got you into therapy 
Um, definitely, uh, the fact that I started noticing anxiety and depression come up mm-hmm. and I'm like, where's this coming from? And I can't fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't take those medicines. Those are crazy pills. Thanks yep. mom for that. You know, and the, you know, you just got to go to, go to the Lord, honey, and he'll fix it all. Do we have the same mom? I uh, probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that's, you know, that's their culture I was raised in. And I'm like, God breaking that generational exactly. trauma. Yep. Love them. But and then I'm like, you get on medication. You're like, oh my God, I didn't have to feel this way yeah. for all those. I could actually get help. You know, so medication really helped with that. And it medication helped calm the storm. Mm. Um, you don't, you can't do squat in a tornado. You need to let the tornado yes. calm down and then you can think clearly. And so once I got over, and even as a nurse, getting over the preconceived notion that medication was bad, you know, that, and that was from family trauma passed on, um, calming my own storm with medication allowed me to think mm-hmm. clearly and and help therapy even more. And then it allowed things to come into my life to supplement to where I could eventually get off medication, which was sure. great. And Reiki and uh, and more the metaphysical side. Like in my clinic, we do metaphysical aesthetics. So we've got, I've got psychic mediums. We have um, divination. We have Reiki energy healers. We have a medical intuitionist. So like when people can't tell me three things they love about themselves, we're putting the syringe down and you're going to go, we're going to work on the inside. The things that brought my life back to me, that's brought my joy back, I've incorporated into my clinic I to love share. That so much. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to keep this secret. This is what we need to bring to aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Like energy healing, it's in over a thousand hospitals. It's incredible. And it's what changed my life. And I try to bring that to everything I do. So that's been the biggest thing with just going inward, healing, energy, therapy, and, and just honestly being having those hard honest conversations with myself getting over the fear of that Mm -hmm. that's been my healing journey over these i'd say about two years that's really you know hit home seven years of therapy but the last two when i actually like did the work myself oh yeah that's when it was just like oh wow and then the face that was kind of the start of real dissolving all the bullshit out yeah Sorry for the language. No, you're fine. Um, but you know, just dissolving you're the first person to ever cuss on my oh show. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was the and that was kind of like the 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 catalyst that like made everything make sense. And I'm uh, yeah, and uh, here we are, <laughs> trying to be different with my platform, trying to have different conversations than like, oh yeah, what talks you do, girl? Right. Oh yes, look at those lips. I can't do it anymore. Yep. I just cannot. Um, and even that, if that means I make less money, I'm okay with that. Because I can sleep better at night knowing I didn't make money off of somebody's mental health. Mm. And, and that I think if I that can that, help them. Oh, I think that that is, whether you're talking about money, your mental, emotional, spiritual health, whatever currency it is, yes. making the decision that's right for you and your growth and journey Yes, that sits with your authentic self and your authentic truth yeah. is always the right decision. It's always going to mm-hmm. pay off. Every in time. the long run, every single time, not only for myself, for yourself, but for our orbit. Yes. The people around us. When you shine differently, it helps other people shine differently. Like, heck yeah. I, and you know what, if I had to go through the darkness to get to the light, mm-hmm. as long as it helps light one other candle, I'm fine. I'm hoping it lights millions, you know, but that's when we, that's the beauty about doing and looking inward on yourself. Yeah. When we try and strive to be the best versions of ourselves that we are and deal with our own bull crap and all the stuff that's calming us down and we get we go through that darkness and then we can shine our light bright it brings shadows in others yep. they get drawn to it and then it triggers something in them oh my goodness and then if the whole world does that that's what's going to change it that's right you know? like and you know it's i always be like oh you're not gonna be able to change the world blah, blah, blah. and you get over that thing be like if i can change one person yeah it's a domino effect that's and right. I hope so many po- more people will get that mentality when getting to themselves mm-hmm. and go inward. The outward will be so much better. You know, that just made me think of uh, uh, something somebody much wiser than me once said, and I can't remember if it was one-on-one or at a at a conference or something, but uh, they were talking about perfectionism and the, the idea, you know, when you look at... Um, the task at hand in front of you and wanting to, you know, bring about change and you think mm-hmm. about, Oh, but I need to do all of this. Yeah. Um, until you can look at, um, when you're, when you're, um, following your mission, your passion, 
until you're able to look at the person you're working with or that's right in front of you as the most important person that your mission, what you're called to do, that person is the most important and that's time and space until you're able to do that, rather than to think about changing everyone at once, you will not be able to affect change in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep spinning and spinning and spinning. And I have to bring myself back to that place um, because it's easy to feel like you need to be big. We're both big yeah. energy people in yes. both terms, right? Like Love big, that. big on energy, but also our energy is big. Yeah. And, um, and you know, wanting to do big things and make cause big waves and make a maximum impact because yeah. our hearts are so big uh, that that empathy is so huge. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when we're able to like bring that down to the moment of like, okay, my feet are right here. They're right next to where yours are. I'm yeah. looking at where we are. We're here in this moment. And mm -hmm. right now we're, we're sharing this space and you yes. are the most important person in this moment to me right now. Yes. Because we're right where we're supposed to be mm -hmm. doing what we're called to do. Yes. Living in the, like living in the past is depression. Living in the future is anxiety. Living in the present is happiness. Can I get an amen? And the whole congregation said, amen. Like That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, oh my gosh. I can't think of a better place to, I mean, what a great rap. That like, kind of, that was like, that, that was perfect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything left unsaid, but if there was, you know, a last thing that you want to leave the person or people that are tuning in to this episode that say, you know, they're identifying with part or all of your story. Mm -hmm. What would be that final word of encouragement that you'd like to leave with them? I would say the final word is know with everything going on and how you're feeling and how it may say all oh, this, you know, just like I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm that you're not broken. We all have our stuff. You are enough just as you are and you don't need to be fixed. Like we all have stuff that we go through, but that doesn't mean we're a broken human being. We're just a human being mm -hmm. and it's okay. And just normalize telling yourself in the mirror every single day, I am enough just as I am. I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed in order to be happy. You Thank can be you. happy right here in the moment. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh, oh but I'm, this is going to be in the show notes, but I need, <laughs> I want you to share what's the name of your practice. Yes. Yeah, so it's Talk Josh Studios. I'm down in Franklin, Tennessee, just awesome. south of Nashville. Yeah. Very cool. Done and done. Again, it's going to be in the show notes, but just like, what's your, what's your handle? What's your website? How yeah. can people, if you want to follow along with me on the crazy journey, it's at talks, Josh on Instagram. Uh -huh. uh, you'll find me on the new threads on there too. Awesome. That was kind of fun. Heck yeah. Um, TikTok haven't dove into yet, but I'm trying. Right. Uh, and then website is talksjosh.com or my studio is talksjoshstudios.com. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. And with that, I'm going to close out and remind everybody that it is never too late to start loving yourself and you are only ever one decision away from a completely different life. This podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health. If you or a loved one are struggling with trauma, addiction, or mental health, we are ready to answer your questions and help you take that next step. Call our admission center at 888-648-4098. Or visit us online at www.promises.com. Our team is ready and waiting to answer the call for help.